Let's do the Torah and tea uh, for Vayetze. It's also the ninth day of Kislev today. So what's the ninth day of Kislev? Okay, it means almost Hanukkah, right? But uh, in addition, in Chabad, we have a few more holidays during the month of Kislev. Besides Hanukkah, which is on the 25th of Kislev, we also have a few more. Today is both the birthday and the passing of the Mittler Rebbe. The Mittler Rebbe, Mittler Rebbe literally means, in Yiddish, Mittler Rebbe means the middle Rebbe. Uh, how did he get the name the middle Rebbe? Because at that time, there were three Rebbes. One was called the Alter Rebbe, the old rabbi. And then they had the present Rebbe, that was the Tzemach Tzedek, that was the grandson, the third one. And the previ- the middle one was called the Mittler Rebbe. So they had, at that time, later on it changed, but this name stuck to them. So they had the Alta Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe, the Middle Rebbe, and the Tzemach Tzedek. Those were the three Rebbes at that time when they got the name. So that name stuck to them. Even today we call them Alta Rebbe. Alta Rebbe means the old Rebbe. That's Schneer Zalman. That's the first one who founded Chabad. And his holiday will actually be on Yutes, on the 19th of Kislev, because that was the day that he was freed from prison. And he was incarcerated in prison, as we'll have maybe a chance to talk in the next week, but he was incarcerated in prison because some of the actually religious people didn't agree with some of the uh, ideas and some of the um, and some of the things, the way uh, the Rebbe did it, they didn't agree to it, so uh, because of that, they they said bad things about him to the government, and, but he was freed on the 19th of Kislev. Uh, today, the 9th of Kislev, which is 10 days before, is the day of birth and passing of the Mittler Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe. His name was Duber. He was a son of the Alter Rebbe. And this is so unusual for people to be born and die exactly on the same day. We're talking about the Hebrew date. To be born and die on the same day. What does that point to the fact it points to the fact that they fulfilled every day because it came to the day um, Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, that Moshe Rabbeinu was uh, passed away on the day that he was born. Uh, exception. Uh, King David. Uh, you know, so this exception, we have exceptions of people, but that's unusual. So, but the Mittler Rebbe, his birth and his passing is on the 9th of Kislev. Now, what happened was that the next day, on the 10th of Kislev, he passed away. Uh, the middle, I mean, the 10th, 10th of Kislev, he was freed from prison. Take that back, sorry about that. So the 9th of Kislev, he was born and he passed, and he passed away. And on the 10th of Kislev, he was freed also from prison. Now, his story is a whole long story with the Mittler Rebbe, also what happened over there, but the bottom line is they couldn't really celebrate so much because the following year after he was found not innocent and ever found innocent, he already passed away. It was, the next, it was one year later, so they couldn't really celebrate because... So the Rebbe said initially, when it comes my day, this, uh, on, the nine, on the 10th day of Kislev, we should celebrate. But that year he passed away. So the Hasidim had a hard time. They, 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 they didn't want to celebrate. It was the Rebbe's passing just the day before. But anyways, that's the story. Middle Rebbe 
taught a lot of Hasidus, a lot of Hasidic, uh, he gave a lot of um, Hasidic insight. And maybe we'll touch about it a bit a little later. Let me just talk a little bit about the beginning of the Parsha. So what's the story? The story is last week Parsha we read about how uh, Yitzchak gave the blessings to Yaakov instead of Esau. Yaakov disguised himself as Esau. His mother, they plotted together. And he ended up getting the blessings from his father Yitzchak. And as soon as he left, Esau came in. Now, the, the plan that they have wasn't really such a comprehensive plan because what were they going to do? You know, they knew that Esau is going to come because he went out for the hunt. He just grabbed the blessings. And actually, as the verse tells us, it was like a revolving door. He left and he came in. <laughs> so it was, and it was right away revealed what happened because Yitzchak said, well, you were just here. What? And so they didn't sort of plan it out. They didn't say to his mother, but what's going to happen after he comes and he was so worried his father's going to find out that he's going to feel him, he's going to find out. But he found out, you know, a few minutes later, as soon as Esau came, he already saw that it was a... A trick over here. But nevertheless, Yitzchak, I, uh, Esau got very angry. And Esau wanted to kill uh, Yaakov. So anyways, they advised him. And they didn't want him to marry a woman from that area either. So they advised him, his mother and his father, Yitzchak and Rivka, advised Yaakov to leave. Okay. So here is the first verse of this week's portion. So you see, it says, Vayetze Yaakov Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheva. Be'er Sheva was the place where Yitzchak and Rivka lived, as we read before. And Yaakov leaves there. Where does Yaakov go? He goes to Choron. Choron is the place where his uncle, his mother's brother Lovan, lived. He was known as to being a deceptive person, and he tricked Yaakov, as we read later on in the Parsha, he switched it and he gave him uh, Leah instead of Rachel. They made an agreement and then he continuously uh, deceived him and made him work more and always changed the plans. That's later on in the Parsha. But what is the very first words of the Parsha? It says, Vayetzi Yaakov. Yaakov goes away from Be'er Sheva. What is this Be'er Sheva? So we actually have the Be'er Sheva very prominently before we have two stories, one of them is a story with Abraham in Be'er Sheva, and the other one is a story with Yitzchak in Be'er Sheva. And the reason why it's called Sheva, it's from the Lush and Shavua, an oath, a promise, or seven, there's both. But what took place in Be'er Sheva? So let's let's go back in the Chumash, back with, this is the story with Abraham. So it says that um, Sarah was taken a second time. First incident with Sarah took place in Egypt. That was in Egypt. But the second time the incident happened also with the Pelishtim and Gror. Abimelech was over there. So you see, Vayomer Abimelech. Avimelech says, okay, this is with Avram, we'll see. Ufichoil sar tzvoi. 
his chief of staff, his name was Fichol. So Abimelech was the king, Ufichol. Fichol was the, um, he was the general, he was the, uh, the army, he was the Sar Tzvoy, he was the officer of the army. Okay. So what do they say to Abraham? Lamer, they say, look, we see God is with you with all that you do. Now he asks him, I want you to make me a shvua, hishovali, make me a shvua, belakim. He says, I want to make a covenant of peace with you. I want to make a peace treaty. Me, my son, my grandson. And he says, we did kindness with you. You should do kindness with us. Okay? So now we stir in the Pesachov. So by Yomar Avraham, Avraham says, Okay, I'm ready. I'll swear. Okay? And then the verse goes on that Abraham rebuked them because they stole the, 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 the well. And Abraham says, I didn't know who did it. So anyways, it says in Chavzayin, it says, they, He took sheep and cattle. And finally it says, They both formed a covenant. Now there was a covenant between Abraham and Avimelech, the Plishtim, they made a covenant. Now the Medrash says that this covenant that Abraham made with the Plishtim, with Avimelech, actually impacted later on and it delayed the entrance of the Jews to Israel and to inherit the land for seven generations. Because of this covenant that they formed over there, this peace treaty that they made, so they could not conquer the land and they had to wait for the peace treaty to uh, to expire. And, okay, the further says they, they, they made first, first, okay. So over there again, it says, what do they call it? Because they both swore over there. That was the peace treaty. They swore to each other. So they're going to... So the Jewish people could not conquer the land until the peace treaty ran out. And that's why it says, They called it Be'er Shava. Why? Kishom Nishbu Shnehem. Because they swore there. They both swore. They put, again, verse 32, They formed this covenant in Be'er Shava. Just saying. And then, after they formed the covenant, it says, So Avimelech and Fichol, the chief of staff of the army, by Yeshua, let us pillage him. They return back to pillage him. This covenant that Abraham formed with Avimelech and Picho caused, the Medrash says, a delay till the peace treaty expired. Now, then we have a same story. Now this is Yitzchak. This is several uh, later, several parshias later. Further, the Pasik says to, this is talking to Yitzchak now.
God appeared to him and he says, I'm the God of Abraham, your father, don't be afraid, I'll bless you. I'll make your seed great because of Abraham. He builds a Mizbeach called they dug up a bit. Now look at Chavov. Now Avimelech, the king of Avimelech. This is Yitzchak already. Several parshas later, He goes to Gror, and again, who's there? Fichol. Fichol is there again. His chief of staff. He's there again. Fichol Sartzvoy. The army. The chief of the army is there with him. So, by Yomer Aleim Yitzchok, Yitzchok says to them, because earlier they chased him away, they told him to leave. So he says, Madua Bosem Eli, why did you come to me? Batem Sneisem Oisi, you hate me, and you sent me away from you. So what do they say? By Yomer Roi Roi Nukoy Hashem Imoch, we see that God is with you. Vanoimer, so we said, Tihino Olo Beinuisenu Beinenu Beinecho, let there be an oath amongst us, Let's form a covenant with you. So now he's forming again a covenant with them. So now Yitzchak is making a further covenant. He is re-establishing. And according to the Medrash, and this goes that he tells him, we didn't do you anything bad, do us good. And they made the covenant. So now... The Medrash says that caused the Jews another generation because they because he re-ratified that treaty. So this caused the Jews another generation before entry because now the generations start from Yitzchak before they started from Abraham. But Yitzchak was the next generation after Abraham. Since Yitzchak ratified the treaty that his father has made with Abimelech, Therefore, they had to wait another generation. So they're now delayed further. Detail in the Medrash. So now the Pesach says like this. Let's go back. So what does our Parsha says? Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheva. Why? Yaakov was worried. If he stays in Be'er Sheva, then this Avimelech and Fichel are going to come and going to want to make a, a further treaty. They're going to want to ratify the previous treaty again. And that's going to delay the Jews even to go on further. He didn't want that to happen. So he left. I mean, Yaakov left for other reasons, as we explained before. But the Pasuk specifically uses the place where he left from. Could have said, It doesn't have to say he went from Be'er Sheva. Because he's telling you he's running away from Be'er Sheva. He doesn't want to be in Be'er Sheva. Why? He was worried that Avimelech and Fichol will come back again and they'll want to ratify, make a treaty with him as well as they did with Abraham and Yitzchak. And then the Jews will get stuck for another generation. So therefore he left to stay away from that. So here, the question that the Rebbe raises over here is, so why... Why is it actually okay for Abraham and Isaac, Abram and Yitzchak, to make a treaty? And they didn't care about 
the fact that that treaty didn't allow for the Jewish people to enter Israel for so many generations. But Yaakov didn't want to delay it any further. How is Abraham and Yitzchak different than Yaakov? Why is Yaakov different than Abraham and Yitzchak? So, the Rebbe, uh, the Rebbe has a whole idea over here between Avram Yitzchak and then Yaakov. Because you see it by their children, okay? Abraham had a son. Yeah, he had a great son. His name was Yitzchak, but he also had another son whose name was? Yishmael. Okay, he was, Yishmael was bad. And even if we're going to say Yishmael did Shuba later on, as Rashi says, Rashi brings down the Pasuk, but yet we see it didn't last. They didn't, it, it, you know, we have all the trouble we have today is from the children of Yishmael. We have from all them, and it's still on our case. Still today we're having problems with them. So you see, maybe Yishmael himself did Teshuva, but his descendants did not, it didn't stick. Uh, let, let's think about Yitzchak. Yitzchak had another son. One of them was Yaakov, but he also had a son, Esav. And Esav also, while he came from a holy father, came from Yitzchak, but it did not last. It did not last. Which means they didn't impact they didn't impact their offsprings, but not only their offsprings. You know, we know that Abraham publicized godliness in the world, and we know that Yitzchak you know, was, 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 was dealing with uh, different ways. But you see, they did not produce a Jewish nation which lasted. Those were only very temporary. At the time, that was good. That's what they did. But by Yaakov, on the other hand, you find that all of his children remained connected to the Jewish people. Matter of fact, all Jewish people come from the children of Yaakov. Yaakov, the difference is that Yaakov was able to make a difference in his children, a lasting difference. So, what does this mean? Rebbe says there is two ways to deal with negativity. It's very interesting. Negativity meaning, you know, whether it's a negative emotion or it's a negative person, something negative in your life, right? Two ways, two ways of dealing with it. One way is that you don't let that bother you. You don't let that interfere with you. So, if you come something that upsets you, that's something that uh, causes you pain, so one level of service is that you're happy to work with the issue so that that issue will, no, will not cause you uh, any discomforts. So the way you deal with it is... You push it away. You don't let it. You take 
you find ways to push away so that the negativity shouldn't bring you down, that it shouldn't cause you pain, it shouldn't hurt you. So that's one way. But another way is to take that negative feeling and that negativity to transform that and to realize that it's no longer negative to change it around that it won't that this is not something which is damaging to you but you come to the recognition that you've changed it around Avram and Yitzchak their service when they started off they had to start with a from a place in which they were happy that Yishmael and Esav did not interfere with them. In other words, Abraham was a leader by the Bnei Chait over there, but they didn't, they respected him, but they remained separate. The Abraham was here, the Bnei Chait was there. So that means that he was impacted them to the extent that they will not stop Abraham, they will not stop Yitzchak from doing their service. They won't stop them. But yet, they themselves did not change around. But Yaakov was given the work to go ahead and take the items which oppose Hashem, the, the klippa, the negativity, and transform this. Yaakov went down to Choram. He went down to Lovam. He went down to this trickster, to the one who tricked him. And so, and he had the real challenges. You know, he had the challenges because he had to deal with the world in a very real way. In, in, in a sense that he had the opposition there. And then he not only uh, dealt with it, but he actually was able to transform it all because Yaakov went and built his whole family and his whole empire. Everything that he had later on, the 12 tribes, it all was outside of Israel. It was all through transforming and transformation. Being in exile, being dealing with... Uh, uh, love him. He turned things around that the physical and the emotional, the spiritual, he turned them around all to the service of Hashem. And that's how the Rebbe explains that in the time of Avram and Yitzchak, it was okay to form a covenant with Avimelech and Ficho because a covenant meant listen, I'm not going to bother you and you're not going to bother me. We're going to be. You'll be there, I'll be here, and we'll live in peace. That's the treaty. That was good enough for the time of Avram and Yitzchak. But before the Jewish people were ready to become a Jewish people, they had to go further. Yaakov had the task of going into the lion's den, so to speak, transforming, taking all the uh, material things, not allowing that for 
to disrupt them, but he also transformed them. He could not make a covenant. A covenant really means that you, you are there. Yaakov could not accept that. Yaakov needed to transform. His level was to transform. Not to allow the world to remain as is, but to make the world a place where there's holiness, where there's godliness. And that's why we have that difference, the Rebbe explains, between uh, Yaakov and Avram and Yitzhak. And what does it tell us in our own lives? That um, the first thing is, I guess the first step is uh, not to allow for things to um, disrupt us, to disturb us, to get us off track. Just to, uh, first step is to uh, cut up, make a, make a uh, form a covenant and say, you stay there, I stay here, and we're not going to. wants to be let in. Okay, why is she not let in? Okay, hold on. If you could. Let me see, yeah, sure. Not to allow the negativity to get us down. So we, we can form a, originally we can form a, uh, a covenant. We can perform peace treaty. We can tell the negativity, hey, you stay there and I'm here. You don't come to me. Don't put me down. If you want to be miserable, be miserable yourself. Don't make my life miserable. <laughs> so that's the first thing. Make a peace treaty. But that's only the beginning. But eventually, you want to transform and take that negativity and you want to be able to see actually the goodness in it and Hashem's kindness and you want to take see that the challenge while it's seems like something which is interference but you really want to get it to become on a on a holier and a higher level okay let's go on to the second part that we wanted to discuss today and this this is the first part. But then we're going to talk about... Uh, finally, he works there with, uh, uh, with Laban. And, and he says to him... So Laban gives him... Vayitein Laban lerochel bitek. Oh, no, sorry. Uh... Okay, no, so it says like this. He marries both, he marries both, uh, both the daughters of Lavan. Uh, he gave him uh, Leah instead of Rachel, but then he marries Rachel as well. And then the Pasuk says, Vayovoi Gam El Rachel. So he, he lives with Rachel. And the verse says, Vayav Gam Esrochem that he loved Rachel and Leah. Actually, the Rebbe brings down from the commentaries, this word Gam doesn't mean also. It means that he loved Rachel more than Leah. But, and he worked another seven years. But the Torah says clearly that God saw that Leah was hated. Kisnua Leah. And this has to do with a lot of, you know, hidden... You know, how did it come... How come Yaakov lived with Leah? He hated her? 
I mean, how would he hate anybody? How would he hate his wife? Um, you know, it says you're not allowed to, uh, a person who, who hates his wife isn't allowed to be with her. <laughs> I can't stop. I'll tell you a joke. You know, I'm not going to record this joke because it's, look at what it says in the Pesach. It says, Vatar Leo Bain. So Leah became pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Now, by all means, uh, he was first with Leah. So one can expect that maybe Leah will become pregnant first. So that wasn't yet, that wouldn't be such a, uh, such a surprise that she became pregnant. So now the verse says, Vatikra Shemoy Reuven. She called him Reuven. Why'd she call him Reuven? Because she says, Ki Omra, for she says, Ki Hashem Be'onyi, God has sown my pain. She says, Ki Ato Ishi, now my husband will love me. What did she mean to say now her husband will love her? So of course the fact that she gave birth to a son normally when a woman gives birth to the son and the firstborn son the husband is very makes him a father he's his first son so normally that brings a, rab, a feeling of love to his wife so Leah was hoping or Leah was counting on the fact she says, now my husband will love me. But the truth of the matter is, we had a little history where the firstborn sons weren't always the best. We know Yishmael, he wasn't a good, he was the first one. We know Esav was the first one, he wasn't a good one. So, maybe Ruben. I mean, when we say that my husband will love me, that needs to say, not only is he a, um, not only for me, but he's going to be a good son. She was actually saying that my husband is going to love me, not just because I gave him any son. My husband is going to love me because I gave him a special son. It doesn't say in the passing that he was a special son, but Rashi explains that the reason why she knew that he was going to love her is because Reuven also has an additional meaning. And she said, the word Reuven stands for Reuven, see what a son I have. In other words, she was saying, I'm so sure my husband loved me because look at this special son I'm giving to you that she's giving to Yaakov. He's not just a son. He's not just a firstborn. But he is a special son. What makes him special? Makes him special because, you know, at the end of the day, Reuven lost his firstborn rights. We read Yaakov at the end in the portion. He gave over the rights to Yosef. Yosef became, because, remember, whose son was Yosef? Yosef was Rachel's son, the one that Yaakov loved. Yaakov loved. So even though Reuven was the first son 
from Leah, Leah had him first, but he went and he gave away the firstborn rights from Reuven, and he transferred it to Yehud, to Yosef. So, she says, but she says to him, look at what a son I had. Look at what a son I'm giving you. He says, first of all, your your um, your brother, basically, Yaakov's brother, he went and he sold his firstborn rights. I said, yeah, he went and sold it to Esau went and sold it to Yaakov. But Ruvain didn't sell it. He didn't sell it. He wanted to be a Bechor. But still, even though it was taken away from him, he did not argue against it. And he was ready to try to save Reuven from the pit. You know, it says that Reuven went back to the pit one day. Uh, they took out, while he was away, they took out uh, Yosef and they went and they sold him to the uh, to Egypt but he was came back he wanted to take him from the board basically she's saying I'm giving you a firstborn son who's actually not going to stand in your way if you're going to want to give it away to uh, Rachel's son to Yosef he's not going to he's going to accept it and he wants to uh, take him off in the pit so she was basically that's the way the Rebbe explains. That's what basically she Rashi see it's it's a little bit difficult to understand this. Why would Rashi give a reason uh, different than the Pasuk? The Pasuk says that the reason she called him Reuven is because Hashem saw my pain. But Rashi says she called him Reuven because she says, Look what a son I have. I'm giving you a son who's so special. So how does Rashi say different than the verse? But the Rebbe says, Rashi is complimenting what the verse is saying. Because she is saying that the son I'm giving you will make you love me. And the reason she's saying it is because what I'm giving you is not just a son, but I'm giving you a very special son. A son who is going to uh, even give up what belongs to him. And he's going to accept it. If that is what what his father wants. What does the Rebbe say from this? The Rebbe says about names. What are names in general? So you see something over here. The way the Pasuk says the name was based upon what? On her experience. She named him, uh, uh, Leah named him about her experience. She says, Hashem saw my affliction. Now, Hashem, my husband will love me. But Rashi says, Reuven represents the advantage of her son. That advantage of Yosef, of, uh, of Reuven. The name represents, and the way Rebbe says, the name Reuven represents, as well as all the other names, they represent both the mothers, how, because if you look at the Pasuk, all the names that they named their child wasn't expressing anything about their child. It was all expressing about themselves. 
about how they feel, of what happened to them. But Rashi tells us it has more than just what happened to them. It's also what happens to the son. It also is very significant. You know, the word Reuven comes from the level of Reu, see. The word Shimon comes from the level of hearing, Shema, Re'iyah, Shemiyah. What's the difference between when you see something and what's the difference when you hear something? When you see something with your eyes, then you are certain about it. Because you've seen it. So what happens if you see something and then somebody comes and asks you a question, no, it wasn't possible, it's not true what you saw. They can't ask you the question because you saw it, so since you saw it, then you know that it's true. But if you hear something, then if somebody says, well, they told you so, well, maybe, maybe it's not true. The same thing is talked, uh, talks about some people who have a, uh, a merit, they s- see things with clarity. They're sure. Their belief, their connection to Hashem is like Reuven, is they see. They see. In other words, they have clarity. They don't have any questions. And they, they know. They know that Hashem is here. They know that Hashem runs the world. They know that we are all in Hashem's hands, that He takes care of us, and we are all by divine providence, everything that happens to us. Some people see it, and you can't ask any questions. But some people are on the level like Shimon. They only hear it, which means they're not sure. They waver. Maybe yes, maybe no. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. They're not convinced. It's not a conviction. And these are actually the steps that a person, you know, it says that uh, uh, we start the day with Naseh Venishma. We will do and we will listen. Why did it say Naseh Venishma? Because first of all, they said we accept Hashem without, without even hearing what Hashem said. Then comes the Venishma. Then we say we will listen, we will hear. Because we have that power of Re'iyah. We have that power. We have the soul that's within us. We can't explain it. But we can. We know this for a fact. We know this for a fact that Hashem is there and Hashem is the master of the world and He is in control of everything. We just see it. It's not like something that you can ask and challenge Okay, how could you possibly be saying that Hashem is here? I have a question. Because I've seen it. The neshama, the soul sees it. That's a very, very powerful and strong connection. After they have the level of ruuvein, of seeing it, 
then you come to the level of shmia, of listening. Listening means already to understand, to articulate, to try to figure out and to understand and to learn and to figure out all the uh, things. But uh, all these names that they gave um, to the tribes or the names of the forefathers, the names of the tribes, those are very, uh, very significant. You know, we say like uh, Adam Harishan gave names. So, I mean, this is just one interpretation, but why am I called with this name? Why am I called... Uh, we're talking about the Hebrew name. It's A, a name is not only um, a way of calling you, just like we agreed upon, we'll call you, this is your name. A name is really a connection of your body and your soul, is meaning to it. Reuven means something, and Reuven is also a connection. That's the... Uh, light of Hashem that comes down to the, to the person. Um, we all have certain names, like Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. If you ask somebody, who is your father? How many fathers we have? We have three fathers. Who are the fathers? Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. But then they ask you, which tribe are you from? You say, well, maybe Reuven, maybe if I'm a Cohen, I'm from Levi, or a Levi, I'm from Levi, if I'm another tribe. Some people know they're from the tribe of Yehuda. So Avram, the name Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, those are general names that apply to every single person. Has the name of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. But the name Reuven, Shimon, Levi, that is specific to a certain tribe. Every tribe has their specific name because we have one name that we're all in together. That's the idea that we're all Jewish. We're all Abraham, we're all Yitzchak, and we're all Yaakov. That's all of us. We're all the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then we have our specific. We have, some of us are connected to Reuven. Some of us can see more. Some of us are Shmiya. Some are Levi, Yehuda, and so on and so forth. And the main thing is uh, to take those names, those powers that we get through our names, and to reach our potential to use those names in a way of connecting to Hashem. Um, Just to finish up you know, a little bit with the with the ninth day of Kislev over here, where the Rebbe uh, brings out also um, the Mittler Rebbe. What happened was that the Alter Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe was the son of the Alter Rebbe, Dovber, I mentioned earlier. There was a war going on between Napoleon and the Tsar. Okay? And the rabbis had different views. Who is better for the Jews? Is Napoleon better for the Jews? Or is the Tsar better for the Jews? Many rabbis 
believed Napoleon promised freedom, promised opportunity, and the Jewish people being oppressed all the time wanted Napoleon, many of them. But the Alter Rebbe and many and some others were concerned that the freedom that is being offered by uh, Napoleon is going to be a threat to the level of of Judaism of the of the religion. They were afraid that the assimilation and the opportunity and that people are going to drop you know their special their religion and Torah and mitzvahs. So many of the rabbis were against Napoleon. And the Alter Rebbe was amongst them. You know that when people from the shtetl used to move to America, people back home would sit shiva for them because going to America meant being assimilated. In those days, going to America meant that you're leaving your, your religion because in America there was all these opportunities. Like we're talking about Napoleon in France. That was the situation in America. It was only afterwards that the religious community grew uh, and became uh, a force uh, in here. But in any event, when the Napoleon started uh, being successful... So the Alter Rebbe, who lived in Liadi, he was against Napoleon, and Napoleon knew that. I guess it was a force that uh, the Alter Rebbe was a force to reckon, so they ran. So they put together a bunch of carriages, and they flee. And the Alter Rebbe was, I think, around 70 years old then, almost you know, around 70 years old. But he was still strong and a, a leader, and and as they were um, as they were fleeing, uh, they, they were uh, the armies was advancing from Napoleon. The um, Altrebe all of a sudden got sick. He was the powerful leader. He was. And he got sick, and and he passed away over there in the village, and they buried him. You know, not too far, but it was like no man's land. It wasn't like a Jewish community. They were on the road. Uh, the place called Hadich. That's uh, the Mittler Rebbe, his son, was left uh, to be the leader. And the whole entire community was in tremendous poverty. They didn't have, because they fled, and Everybody left everything behind. I guess they were, they lived in Liadi, a very comfortable life. They left their homes and everything else. And the people were very, very impoverished. And the people asked the Mittler Rebbe that he should become the next leader. He's the son of the Alter Rebbe, that he should become the uh, leader. But it was a very, very challenging time. And especially, it was also financially, it was very, very difficult. So they raised a lot of substantial amount of money in those days for the Rebbe's needs 
to help the Rebbe uh, start up and relocate and to build a shul and to make a community, they raised a lot of money. And in those days, raising such a substantial amount of money was not, was not the common for people to raise such money. Someone went and gave some of the papers that the Mittler Rebbe raised, they gave it to the government. And somehow they were saying that they are raising a tremendous amount of money and they were uh, using the money to build their own empire and this is a threat to the government. And that's why they went and they arrested the Mittler Rebbe. There was also other, other, other laws over there, you know, how the distribution of the money. It was a, a big mess over there. And it took actually several years uh, till the uh, Mittler Rebbe was cleared from this. And like I said in the beginning, uh, on the ninth day of Kislev, he passed away. And therefore, the celebration, you know, they, that when he was finally cleared from all the uh, accusations, as a matter of fact, some of it even came after his passing, but even before that, um, they couldn't really celebrate that. But the the Mittler Rebbe gave over a lot of the teaching of his father-in-law, and he was a, a very profound scholar. And today, you know, people study some of the Hasidic literature. Uh, some of it is just like beyond people's comprehension, you know, to, to, it's very, just very deep and very articulate and it's very, so the Mittler Rebbe was known, they used to say that if they would cut his finger, it wouldn't have blood, it would come Hasidus from there. Uh, that's how absorbed he was in Hasidus. And the Mittler Rebbe would say that he, he wanted that the Hasidim should really be involved in the teaching of Hasidus. Okay, so in any event, I just wanted to mention this, that the Tess Kislev, the Ninth of Kislev, the Yud Kislev, uh, all the various different things that we learned about the names, and hopefully that we are loved, uh, loved by our spouses, and that we are uh, certainly loved by Hashem, because Hashem, Hashem loves us for sure. Uh, and... Um, that um, need to know that we still, you know, sometimes this, this treaties that we make with the other sides, they cost us uh, later on. Um, um, you know, it's hard to, I know we know we're, we're living in unprecedented time that the Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates and now Saudi Arabia, and this is like... Uh, all these treaties, you know, I mean, we're making all these treaties and it's like, seems like almost the times of Mashiach, you know, we're getting, uh, uh, people will not lead a sword, will not, uh, you know, nation to nation, they will cut a shot. Uh, it's, yeah, plowshares, yeah. Um, so, seems like, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, politics is also playing its way the various different things, you know, what's going on in the politics. But one of the things is that we're all, everything is in the hands of Hashem. 
So whatever it turns out, I, I certainly believe that our president had a mission from Hashem to help the Jewish people. And if Hashem made it differently now, Hashem will help us. You know, I know that, uh, I'm sure that you're aware, I think that three of the key people are Jewish in the new, uh, forming in the new, I'm not sure if it's good or bad, you know, only time will tell. But, you know, sometimes, I told you what happened with the, once they said this with, I'll leave you with this, with Kissinger, when he was the Secretary of State, and Golda Meir was, uh, needed some special help. So she wrote to Kissinger, and she says to him, uh, can you help us please? You know, you're a Jew. <laughs> and your brethren are in trouble. We need you in Israel. We need you to help us. Send us the, uh, the, uh, the ammunition. Send us the planes. Send us what we need. And Henry Kissinger said to her, he says, first of all, he says, I'm American citizen. And second of all, he says, I'm the Secretary of State of the United States of America. And third, I'm a Jew. To which Golda Meir responded, I said, she says, it was lucky, we Jews read from right to left. <laughs> In other words, the Jew first. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. To you, it was the left. I says, we read it from right to left. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have, we have certain fears, we have certain uh, anxieties, what's going to happen, but at the end of the day, Mitzvah Shem, Shem will take care of us, send us all the blessings that we need, and Yetzi Yaakov Meber Shava will go, and Shem will give us success. All right, leave it over there. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, no, thank you everybody for joining me. I'm a little bit undertired. Happy Thanksgiving, so everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, and we have a lot to be thankful for. Hashem. Amen. Esther, thank you for putting your mother on. It's so nice to see her. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for seeing It's very nice. Nice to see you. My mom is here too, Rabbi. She's on the on the phone, right? On the telephone. On the telephone. Thank you so much. Great. Everybody, enjoy your Thanksgiving. And Hashem will send us all the blessings. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Bye-bye. 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 Bye, Dan. Bye, Mom. Bye, Esther.